I'll make this short, and I'll make this sweet. After all, the Rose Bowl needs no introduction. I offer this one plea to Sooner fans before Oklahoma and Georgia kick things off on New Year's Day in Pasadena. Appreciate this. When Oklahoma trounced Washington State to put a capper on the 2002 season in that year's Rose Bowl, it was not greeted with much fanfare. It was a cool little sight to finally see Oklahoma and Pasadena, but playing a non-traditional power did not create much buzz. Of course, that year, you heard the same complaints from the tradition absolutists. It's criminal that a Rose Bowl doesn't feature exclusively a Big Ten versus Pac-10 matchup they screamed from their high horses. Fifteen years later, those people are out in full force once again. Don't listen to them. Appreciate this. Your Oklahoma Sooners are about to play in the most picturesque environment in college football. Your Oklahoma Sooners are about to play in the most famous of all college football games. The granddaddy of them all. 47 conference titles, 7 national titles, 162 first-team All-Americans, 6 Heisman Trophy winners, including currently the best player in our sport, Baker Mayfield. Not only does Oklahoma belong in this game, this game was made for Oklahoma football. The world just doesn't know it yet. Let's show them. I'm Grant Benson. This is West of Everest. They go three wide. One Savage. Now for the Sooners on third down. On the run, fires touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Number 12, Curtis Fagan, the senior from Houston. And that just about does it. I can't say enough about my teammates. To go out like this uh, just means everything to me. And uh, we, I think we brought half the state with us, and they meant, they meant everything to us. Boomer Sooner. The MVP of the 2003 Rose Bowl game, Nate Hibble, welcomes us into this edition of West of Everest. Leading OU into its first Rose Bowl ever, Hibble and the Sooners trounced Washington State 34-14 on New Year's Day. Hibble was 19 of 29, threw for 240 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Also, Quentin Griffin got 30 carries in that game and rushed for 144 yards and a touchdown of his own. Hi, everyone. I'm Lee Benson. You heard my brother Grant at the top of the show with the opening take. We'll bring him back in a moment. I can't wait to give our final thoughts on OU Georgia and this Rose Bowl during this upcoming episode. But first, I'd like to remind you that West of Everest is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you like the show, please make sure to give us a rating on iTunes, maybe even leave a review if you're so inclined. And if you've got a question or a comment for us, email the show westofeverest at gmail.com or you can find Grant on Twitter at GrantBenson25 and I'm on Twitter as well at LeeBensonNews9. Grant is going to Pasadena on Sunday. Sadly, I will not be making the trip to California. I'll be back in Oklahoma City on New Year's Day anchoring the sports on News 9 in Oklahoma City and then pitching it out to sports director Dean Blevins who will be at the Rose Bowl I'm a bit disappointed but at least one of us will be there 
And for the first time all year, Grant, you'll be our West of Everest correspondent on the scene at an OU game. Just expect tons of content. I mean, I'll, I'm going to be periscoping the entire time. Um, I have nowhere else to take this joke. That's a, that's a total joke. I'm not going to be doing that. Facebook I will be Live, Facebook Live, all Twitter that stuff. Live, yeah, I don't. Whatever uh, that is. No, I'm just. I'm going to be watching the game. I'm going to try to get into my seat as er, as early as humanly possible, so I can just kind of soak up the atmosphere. Um, our we're we're gonna we're we're sitting in one of the end zones, so we're gonna have a perfect view of the mountains in the background. I'm so excited! It's gonna be it's it's gonna be beautiful. Hopefully, we get some sun. Right now, it's saying that it's supposed to be kind of low 70s and, and maybe overcast, maybe a little bit of rain. Um, you know, a lot can change in five days, so I'm hoping we'll get some sun. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know, Lee. It's it's we're we're almost there. I mean, we're we're basically there. We're just at the point now where um, we're just counting down the days. Okay, so this is our final show before that Rose Bowl. Grant and I have talked extensively for the past month about this matchup between Oklahoma and Georgia. If you're new to the show and are here for all the OU Georgia talk, I urge you to go back and listen to our last four episodes. Grant and I have probably put at least two full hours of Rose Bowl matchup talk into these podcasts. It should be easy to find the Rose Bowl talk as well. The episode details and time codes for each each uh, part of the episode, what each segment we're talking about is listed on each episode, whether you're listening in iTunes or in SoundCloud. Since this is our final show before OU's next game, we're treating this episode like all of our game preview episodes. But this one, of course, will be even more in depth because, well, this is the Rose Bowl and this is the playoffs. Grant and I will break down to OU's offense against the Georgia defense, OU's defense against the Georgia offense, the coaching matchup, and some other tidbits that may affect the game. At the end, we'll finally provide our Rose Bowl predictions, something I'm sure Grant does not really want to do because he's incredibly superstitious. So let's get started. I looked back at our Ohio State preview, Grant, and we began that episode with OU's offense against Ohio State's defense. Therefore, I think we should start this OU-Georgia breakdown with the Sooners' offense matching up against the Bulldogs' defense. Here's my first question for you. How do you think Oklahoma's offense should attack this Georgia defense? As specifically as I can make it, referring to one game, exactly how they attacked TCU uh, that first time around. Specifically looking for one-on-one matchups to exploit, which just happens to be Lincoln Riley's specialty. That's kind of what he does. Um, Georgia's defense, their linebackers especially, are very, very aggressive. I do believe uh, we will be able to... We, I, I'm sorry, I hate saying we when referring to... I, um, I hope the Sooners are going to be able to exploit that, the aggressiveness. This is an offense that uses lots of misdirection. Um, it's an offense that, that gets you to try to think, and that's that's something that Lincoln Riley uh, really likes doing. Um, that's something that we saw Auburn do that first time around. They used Georgia's aggressiveness against them. Auburn's offense, which I said in the last podcast, I absolutely hate Auburn's offense, but they do use lots of misdirection and, and, and lots of deception. Um Georgia's linebackers really ran themselves out of the play on on more than more than one occasion. Um, what do you think, Lee, about that specifically? Well, I'd like to see the Sooners do what they did against Ohio State. And I went back and watched the first four drives of that game for Oklahoma, and the Sooners were clicking for the most part. The problem ended up being that Oklahoma turned it over on downs, fumbled it twice, and missed a field goal on those first four possessions. You could tell Mayfield was checking at the line, dissecting that Ohio State defense, and it was a pretty aggressive Ohio State defense at times. 
Oklahoma used Dimitri Flowers and those RPOs to put doubt in the Buckeyes' minds. You mentioned Georgia with aggressive linebackers. Ohio State's linebackers aggressive as well. But utilizing Dimitri Flowers made those linebackers think more as the game went on. And right off the bat, first play of the game, they used an RPO and dropped it over the middle to Dimitri Flowers for 10-plus yards. Uh, even uh, even on one time on third down, I was watching in that in those first four drives. Ohio State actually dropped eight men, which is a rarity for the Buckeyes. And Mayfield, like we've seen all year in Oklahoma, doesn't see a, a multiple rush defense. They only send three. He had plenty of time. He found Ceedee Lamb over the middle for a nice gain and for a first down. It was one of those nights, and you know we all remember that night. We we remember it. It was just interesting going back and kind of refreshing myself because Oklahoma played pretty darn well that night on offense, but the Sooners weren't as sharp as they could have been. If Oklahoma has refined itself after all of these months of football, a couple plays here and a couple plays there, for instance, a bad high pass thrown by Baker Mayfield to Jeff Bidette on third down, that was a tough play for Bidette, and it was a bad throw by Mayfield, or a drop by Grant Calcaterra over the middle that could have been a touchdown, passes a little bit behind him. I think those plays could be chain movers and maybe even scoring plays at this time of the year since Oklahoma has gotten a little more, uh, I guess the word a second ago, refined with their offense, and it wasn't, you know, it's not the second game of the year. So that's why I think Oklahoma should attack this Georgia defense similarly to how they attacked the Buckeyes, just going back and watching how they attacked them. In that first meeting, not not first meeting, in that Ohio State game, Oklahoma's offense looked so sharp, with the exception of a couple plays here and there. And instead of getting no points those first four drives, they could have easily gotten 17 points out of those first four drives. Yeah, I want to be careful about maybe just picking apart on like a play-by-play basis to, to point and look at things as saying, you know, if they can do this better, then they'll have success against Georgia. Sure, maybe as a blanket statement, it's true. But I, I would prefer more to look at the Ohio State game generally, uh, just in the sense that um, th- this is probably going to upset any Georgia fan or SEC fan listening to this. Ohio State is a more talented defense than Georgia. They just are. Look at the tape. Um, so, so the thing that really stands out to me about the Ohio state game was just the poise that they came out with. They came out obviously ready to play, um, something that we, that if you remember Lee, we talked extensively about leading up to that game about whether or not, you know, what's the difference between Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops getting this team uh, ready. Lincoln Riley obviously answered that question, uh, emphatically against Ohio State. The OU team that we saw in Columbus was, was ready to play. They were oozing with poise. And so it was... Uh, a little bit odd at that time to see that they actually there were times where they really shot themselves in the foot in the first half so it's likewise how it's not smart for someone to look at that game and and look at it and and see a 31 to 16 final score and say oh hey you know Ohio State was able to limit Oklahoma a little bit they only scored 31 points anyone who watched that game knows that OU I mean as as nicely as I can put it, they thoroughly dominated that game on a play-to-play basis. I think anybody who's honest who watched that game would agree with that. Uh, that's a game that OU probably you know could have and, and really should have won forty something, fifty something to fourteen maybe. I mean they were they they pounded Ohio State that badly. And this uh, still I, I this still the best team OU has played this year. And I think even after. Uh, even after Monday, I, I still do personally be. I, I believe Ohio State is, is a better team than Georgia. Does that have anything to do with this upcoming game? Not a lick. Really, not at all. It, it, Georgia is still the second best team that OU has played this year. Georgia's in the playoff. They're here for a reason. 
They're a spectacular team. I don't know if I want to take take too much from a game that happened nearly three months ago and apply it to this. Um, but I, I think it's just more of the same of what we've seen from Oklahoma. And, and that's, that's the poise on offense, just the experience. And, and another thing I want to mention too is going back to that Ohio State game, Lee, just the three people in that game who really weren't much of a factor, who are arguably the three most important players outside of Baker Mayfield on the offense. Uh, Mark Andrews, if you recall, got hurt in the first quarter of that game and didn't return. He only caught one pass. Marquise Brown didn't even play in that game, Lee. And I think Rodney Anderson only touched the ball about three or four times in that game, and that was still when he was uh, kind of still getting acclimated to, to the college football game again after being hurt for two years. So how much should we take from that Ohio State game? Not a lot. Uh, just we know this OU team is good. They, they've done the same thing they've done all year against Ohio State. It's just the, the poise and that atmosphere and, and just knowing in the back of our minds that they are capable of playing that way against an incredibly talented opponent. Just before we move on to the next next question, just three reasons why I believe the Ohio State game really is a actually a pretty good uh, game to look at and think if Oklahoma plays that way, they can have a lot of success. Number one, it was the second game of the year, and let's be honest, I know Ohio State played Indiana previously, and Oklahoma played UTEP, but it was more like you know all the offseason was leading up to that game. That was a big one, and there was tons of prep time for it, which similarly now there's been a month to prepare for this Rose Bowl, so a lot of time to prepare. Number two, Oklahoma went away from Owen Field in a hostile environment and played with the, tons of poise, like you mentioned, and played very well. And three, the defenses between Ohio State and Georgia, somewhat similar as far as being aggressive, being elite defenses. I think that those are the three reasons why I think that game is actually a pretty good marker to look at when, it, when you think of Oklahoma – their offense and thinking, wow, it's possible that the Sooners could come out and look just as poised against this Georgia team. So who's the most important player for the Oklahoma offense, Grant, besides Baker Mayfield when it comes to this OU Georgia game? Lee, I think it's Mark Andrews, actually. And my reason for that is actually fairly simple. And it's it's just kind of a cliched mantra. Uh, big players in big time games. And I think Mark Andrews, outside of Baker Mayfield and Orlando Brown, maybe is 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 the best NFL prospect on this team, and and perhaps maybe the most talented player on this offense. You know, he, this is a guy who who is going to have a lot of success in the NFL someday, and he's a guy that you need to step up uh, against Georgia, especially. And I, I I left this out when you know with that how should OU attack Georgia part. I got a lot of stuff on how they could attack OU. One of the things that I wrote down, Lee, was in in the in the games that we've watched and, and I've watched about seven or eight full Georgia games, they appear on defense lead to leave the middle of the field open quite a bit. And I mean, kind of like in the mid range behind the linebackers in front of the safeties, they really kind of vacate that field or that, that portion of the field. A lot of it is because they, they typically only have two linebackers in the middle of the field and they usually play two pretty deep safeties. So that, of course, that's the area where Mark Andrews is going to be really big if, if he's a big part of the uh, the game plan, Lee. But I, I just to make a further point, I, I actually I really had a hard time answering this question when you posed it to me uh, yesterday when you were writing all of this up because really it could be anybody. I have no idea who who kind of the main guy is going to be on this offense. You know, we can't we can't pick Baker obviously, but we I feel like we haven't really we. Uh, 
CD Lamb was pretty quiet against TCU. TCU was scared enough of CD Lamb that they doubled him the entire game. Um, Georgia Georgia fans should should really be cognizant of CD Lamb. He is he's he, he's the best receiver on this team. I know he's not the leading receiver. Marquise Brown is, but CD Lamb is is the best, most talented receiver on this team. He is he's a nightmare. He's he's very very good. Um, I, I would really love to see CD step up. Of course, Marquise Brown is an X factor. We all know about Rodney Anderson. A lot of people think he's been the best running back in the country in the second half of the season. I, I, I have no idea who to pick, Lee. So I, I just went with Mark Andrews. I went with the obvious choice. The guy. I, w- I, I just I went back to the roots. I went right back to the beginning, and, and I thought Mark Andrews has has made so many big catches, so many big plays for for Oklahoma over the course of his of his three years of extended playing time, and and I think it would be smart maybe to lean on him in a game of this magnitude. And that's a good pick. And how nice is it to know that Oklahoma's offense is so dynamic and diverse that this question is pretty much impossible? How many other offenses in college football would you ask who's the most important offensive player besides the obvious guy? I mean, like with, with Penn State, the obvious guy is what Saquon Barkley, I guess. So, I mean, the next most important one would, would be their quarterback, whose name is escaping me right now. Trace uh, McSorley. McSorley, yeah. So, but like, those are like the two obvious ones. But with Oklahoma, it's like there's the obvious with Baker Mayfield. But then after that, like you said, it could be anybody. But for the, the sake of being different, and I'm kind of off the cuff the rest of the way. I didn't have enough time to prepare too many notes. Off the cuff, I'm going to say the most important player is Marquise Brown. Because of the last couple shows I've done, the film time with Lee, I've broken down a Marquise Brown long touchdown play. Georgia has not faced a team really at all, with the exception of Missouri, kind of, that can stretch the field. And Marquise Brown, along with even C.D. Lamb, even along with Jet Bidette, obviously, can stretch the field. It's just Marquise Brown's kind of been doing it a lot more towards the latter half of the year for Oklahoma. So I think stretching the field is going to be so important for everything offensively for Oklahoma in this game because Georgia's defense is so used to not having to worry about the entirety of the field. They're used to have to worry about just the first maybe 15 or so yards up because nobody they played has been able to really stretch the field on them. I think a lot of that, too, is because they're able to get pressure with their front seven and it's not giving quarterbacks enough time to even throw it deep down the field. So I'm going to go with Marquise Brown because I think it's going to be really important for Oklahoma to take shots and show Georgia that, hey, we're not afraid to throw the ball down the field. You have to defend the entire field, not just the first 15 to 20 yards of it. Lee, I actually I, – and I, I like you picking Marquise Brown there. I have no problem with that whatsoever, obviously. Marquise Brown, arguably in the second half of the season, has been the X factor on this team. Uh, just how he can stretch a defense and it is it's just and he's not the only guy on this team that can stretch that can stretch the defense you mentioned Jeff Bidette we haven't seen a lot of him um, in November since kind of the Oklahoma Michael Jones can do it as well Michael Jones can do it as well he's Michael Jones has been has has made some really huge catches this year if if you really uh, you know look back and and think about it he really had you know the one against Ohio State uh, he he uh, he was kind of a safety uh, safety net against against Oklahoma State. So Michael Jones has has shown up in, in big moments. He had the the long touchdown against TCU. Lee, another guy I almost went to uh, with this was was Rodney Anderson, just because of of how important the the run game has been to Oklahoma's success in offense this year. One of the other things that I wrote down in my notes here about how OU should attack this Georgia defense, I, I wrote this. I said, pound the effing rock. Um, one of the storylines of this game has been, re- re- seriously, one of the storylines of this game has been how is OU's defense going to react to the punishing Georgia ground game? Well, I want OU's offense to exert uh, to exert their physicality right from the beginning. 
Um, this is the most physical offense Georgia has seen this year. They don't know that, or I, you know, I, I bet Georgia does know that because they've watched film. People, people who cover Georgia, people or Georgia fans, they probably don't know that. And I, I would really love to see OU's offense come out and just punch them in the mouth early. I, I've said it the last few weeks. I really do think Oklahoma uh, can have a lot of success running the ball in this game. And, and I, I, I did just want to bring this out here just, just as another stat to throw out there. Georgia is relatively weak at creating negative plays this year. And by relatively, I, I mean they are weak at creating negative plays. They are a hundredth in the country in in stuff rate, which is basically runs that go for no gain or a tackle for loss. They're a hundredth in the country. Uh, the Sooners have played have played eight or nine teams that are better than that. So this is not a team that's really gonna that's gonna get a whole lot of tackles for loss. They're, they just aren't. I've said numerous times their their defensive line at times really does struggle to get off blocks. I know that's not necessarily their the reason why they're there. They're there to swallow up blocks. Uh, for for the linebackers to run to the ball, but I I just, I have a lot of confidence in this offensive line run blocking. I've I have more confidence in this in this offensive line run blocking than I do protecting Baker Mayfield. I, I think they're that good of a run blocking offensive line, and, and I just think it would it would be really cool to see the, the Sooners exert themselves on the ground at at the beginning of this game. Uh, success in the run game is just I, I think. You know, we talked about the defensive line, but it really is going to be about how how well they block those two inside linebackers. Um, if they can get a hat on them consistently, and that's no easy task. Roquan Smith is the best defensive player that the Sooners have seen this year. He is, but if they can get a hat on those two inside linebackers consistently, this game is effectively over. Okay, continuing with the offense, the OU offense against the Georgia defense. Best case scenario for the Oklahoma offense, and I'll start with this one, and once again, unfortunately, I have not been able to take too many notes and really lay out my thoughts on this. Best case scenario for this Oklahoma offense is really Oklahoma starts the game looking very similar, the same really as the Sooners played against Ohio State, and really, I guess if you want to, I was going to say the way they played against Ohio State, but actually being more crisp and completing those out third down out route passes to Jeff Bidette and completing that slant over the middle to whether it be Mark Andrews or Grant Calcaterra at that point it was Calcaterra against Ohio State because our Andrews was out of the game and making those plays and turn those into points but I guess I could also point to the first TCU game when Oklahoma's offense started the game amazing and that first half was just out of this world putting up 38 points against one of the best defenses in the country so best case scenario for Oklahoma's offense is that uh, and and that's that's not a surprise. I mean, that's what everyone hopes is going to happen. I guess more specifically, though, is that they do come out and are able to run the football, which in turn will easily, easily open up the RPO game. And there will be some open guys, I'll tell you, Grant, because not a lot of teams, if anybody, has been able to run the ball in this Georgia team with the exception of Auburn one in one game. And they ran the ball on them pretty well. Average over five yards per carry. But even Notre Dame, who was all about the run, couldn't do anything against Georgia, even though that game ended up being pretty close. So best case scenario for Oklahoma's offense is running the football consistently and sticking to basically their game plan and not having to immediately abandon the run and have Mayfield throw it. Even though, if that's the case, Mayfield has shown that he he can just throw it around the yard and still win a game by himself. Well, Lee, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wrote right here. I said, best case scenario would look an awful lot like the first half of the TCU game. Uh, what I mean by that is is just full firepower on display. 
obvious matchup advantage or uh, obvious matchup advantages are being exploited. The offensive line thoroughly dominating an athletic playmaking front. And remember, in that first game, TCU tried to take away the run. That that was their game plan going in, and it did not work. They they couldn't. Um, and, and also, just in that in, in that first half against TCU, just the players making outstanding elite plays. It just you know that throw to, to Grant Calcaterra, the that throw to Rodney Anderson over the middle where he dragged a couple guys and then had a little hop into the end zone. Just stuff like I mean, they they were making some pretty great plays. Um, if, you know, if they play like that, then it's, 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 it's almost good night, Irene. All right, Grant, what is the worst case scenario for this Oklahoma offense against Georgia in the Rose Bowl? All right, Lee, if there is one weakness for this OU offense, and, and I use that in square or in scare quotes, cause it's not necessarily a weakness, um, because they're still fairly efficient at it, but it is, it's third down efficiency. Uh, they're 34th in the country, Lee, on third down offensive S&P. That's still pretty good. And we know, I, I think they're they're not really quite up to snuff nationally in third down conversion rate either. Um, so so worst case scenario there is Georgia is, is having success stuffing the run early on, putting the Sooners behind the chains, uh, and forcing Baker Mayfield, which, which still is not a terrible, you know, it's not game over if, if the Sooners are in third and third and long a lot because, you know, they have the best passing offense in the country, the best receivers in the country, the best quarterback in the country. Um, and then obviously just turnovers. So turnovers are always really hard to predict. Um, in, in big games like this, I'm always worried about fumbles, always worried about fumbles because they're completely random. But you can never account for turnovers. And you just you, you never know when the other team is going to make a great play and turn you over, and you never know when – the ball is going to slip out of your hands for for some reason or the other, so so hopefully they're focused, they're they're focused on not turning the ball over. They're they're just they're poised like they have been away from home all season long, but but like I said, you know, worst case is is being in third and long and the run game not working, and j- just turnovers, and and so we're we're hoping that that's just not the case, Lee. Worst case scenario for me when it comes to Oklahoma offense is something that. We can't really predict. And to me, I mean, of course, obviously, worst case scenario, besides just as a team, Oklahoma just doesn't show up and is not prepared at all and just gets drubbed like the team did back in, what, 04 against USC when it wasn't even a game. You know, aside from that, like a more realistic worst case scenario is that Baker Mayfield just doesn't play very well. That Mayfield just, he he's had a couple, I mean, and I, I'm going to say bad games for Mayfield standard. He's had his couple bad games this year, which again, by any other standard are pretty darn good games for a college quarterback. I think of like the Kansas game. I think of, uh, there's another, even like Tulane. Texas he, tech was his worst game of the year. I thought Texas tech. Yeah. I, just he's had those games against the opponents where really it's, it's okay to have them against, but he's played phenomenal against Ohio state against TCU against Oklahoma State against TCU again I mean he's he's really played his best against the elite type teams even he played pretty well against Texas with the exception of that one pick which is a really nice play so if he comes out and just doesn't play well and just doesn't play like we're used to him seeing that's the worst case scenario because obviously if Baker Mayfield is not playing as well as we we know Baker Mayfield can play Oklahoma doesn't have a chance not at all so 
that's where I'm going to go. And, and I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm with you with turnovers. Turnovers are always annoying, and you can't predict those at all. Those are the worst. Oklahoma's been very good so far this year, luckily, of not turning the football over. So, and that's, I mean, that's on Baker Mayfield mostly. He's he's very good with being protective of the ball while also taking shots. It's it's quite it's quite incredible what he's able to do with it. So, that's that's my worst case scenario for the Oklahoma offense. You ready to talk Oklahoma defense versus Georgia offense? Yeah, let's do it. All right, same kind of questions on this side of the football. We start with how should Oklahoma's defense play against this Georgia offense? Well, Lee, I I honestly think it's it's simple. There there really is only one thing they can do, and, and I think you're you're probably going to see a game plan that's similar to the one against Ohio State. They need to get extra bodies in the box and be creative doing it. That means run blitzes, sending pressure from the edge. Keeping contain is going to be very important. This Georgia team doesn't just run between the tackles. They run a lot of off-tackle stuff with with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Um, you know, they kick stuff out and attack you on the edges quite a bit. So if you can get them behind the chains a little, if you can get from in obvious passing situations, they're 64th in adjusted sack rate. So per, perhaps, you know, Oboe could get to him a couple times. And, and really, you got to get him into third and longly. That's going to that's be the game, period. The, the one time this season when, when an opponent has forced Georgia to pass the ball on the defense's terms, it was disastrous for Georgia. Disastrous. They got blown out. Worst game they've played all season long. You thought that game was a little closer. I, I disagreed. I thought they got smoked pretty handily. Um, but I, I do have this interesting play, or this interesting stat here, and it just shows you exactly. It's, it doesn't, in retrospect, it, it makes perfect sense, Lee. So I'm going to go back to S&P. Um, Georgia is fifth in the country in explosive passing plays on standard down. So that's on running downs, first and second down. Uh, so that means play action passes. That, that means they, they, they make their money on play action passes. Lee, they're 87th in the country in explosive plays on passing downs. Uh, I think typically this season, they really haven't been in a lot of situations like that outside of the, the Notre Dame game and, and the first cut and, and the two Auburn games, they, they really haven't been in those situations. So Jake Fromm this season, the one time where he really has been forced to throw on the defense's terms, he hasn't been able to do it. I think that's one check mark in OU's box. And to be honest with you, based on everything I've seen so far this year from OU's defense, outside of one game against Ohio State that was on September 9th of this year, that's really the only check mark in OU's box on defense in this game. I, I think this is this is quite the challenge for OU's defense. And if I'm being honest with everybody, I, I do not feel good about OU's defense in this game. I, I I have a hard time I have a hard time seeing them playing very well in this game. Well, I think your idea of them committing extra players, sending blitzes from different angles, and being creative as far as sending pressure is extremely important in this game because they're going to have to send bodies. I will say that, though, whenever they don't do that, whenever they're playing it straight up and the defensive backs know that they are in a zone coverage or, of course, man, if they're manned up, but specifically a zone coverage, I would try to drill into my guys, listen, do not trust their offensive line at all for your reads when you're in a zone type coverage as a defensive back especially a safety you always 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 play pass until you are 100 sure that it is a run because like you just said a second ago georgia loves play action and every big game we've watched them this year they've ran that flea flicker play and every single time it seems like 
safeties bite. And it makes sense because Georgia is amazing at running the football. So I get it. It's just that discipline that, listen, your job as a defensive back, especially a safety, is to prevent the pass. Trust your other nine guys. If, you're, if I'm counting both safeties, I guess we're going to count one of them. Trust the other ten guys to do their jobs and to make a play. And if in the end you got to come up and make a tackle at some point after they've gotten past that first level, then so be it. But do not get beat deep. Oklahoma has done an excellent job recently not giving up big plays in these bigger games. And that is it's something. Now, they've done that against offenses not like Georgia's offense. They've done it against West Virginia without Will Greer. They've done it against, uh, was Texas Tech one of them, potentially? Texas Tech, ex- with the exception of the first quarter. And they've done it against TCU a couple times. So not elite offenses, but but okay offenses. So yeah, preventing big plays, not getting not getting fooled by play action, and tackling. I mean, tackling is going to be the most important thing. Is you got to tackle these guys when you can tackle them. No and, broken tackles. And yes, tackling is huge. And so I I had mentioned when I watched the Notre Dame game, I thought Notre Dame had some had some success against Georgia's offense because I thought Notre Dame tackled just extremely well in the open field. Uh, much you know much better than we than really we've seen from OU this year outside of one game in Columbus in September so tackling is going to be incredibly important one thing I've been I've been thinking about today and I and I didn't make the connection until now Lee was I I do think OU has seen uh, some similar backs to these these two you know the two-headed monster I know DeAndre Swift is thrown in there but it's really more of a two-man show for Georgia with with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb Lee reminds me a lot of David Montgomery at Iowa State, and that's to any of the Georgia fans listening right now. That is, it's certainly not a diss on Nick Chubb. It is, it is the highest of highest compliments. There's a lot of people who think David Montgomery was the best back in the Big Twelve this year, and that guy is just really hard to tackle. And in that that Iowa State win over OU, the Sooners had a hell of a time tackling that guy. So if if the tackling team that showed up against Iowa State shows up against Georgia, I George is going to score on every single drive. It's 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 going to be that bad. So they got to tackle. Uh, they had they struggle with David Montgomery. I hope they don't struggle with Nick Chubb. Yeah, I think Montgomery's a lot more shifty than Chubb. I'd say Sonny Michelle is more of of uh, Montgomery's shiftiness and ability to break tackles. I'm more talking like I know David Montgomery is shifty, but he can also run through arm tackles, which is more of a Sony Michelle thing. I'm talking about oh. the the big, you know, more uh, of lower, a Nick Chubb thing, lower body strength. Uh, Sony Michelle is more of like your scat back type. He's he's more of the the Abdul Adams or Joe Mixon type. So Nick Chubb is the Samaje P Ryan, and and Sony Michelle is is Joe Mixon. Obviously, not quite as good as as Joe Mixon, but that's how I would compare it. I, I think uh, in terms of 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 who is harder to bring to the ground, it's it's definitely Nick Chubb. Who is the most important player on Oklahoma's defense in this game? And I'll start, um, again, off the cuff with this. So, oh, man, I in my head before I asked this, I had a couple guys. I, at first I, thought, I, at first I thought Stephen Parker because he's a guy in the secondary, he's a safety, and he tackles very well. And he's the, probably the best tackler. And then I thought, oh, but Khalil Houghton's a pretty good tackler, too. And Oklahoma's gotten him back, and he, he was out for a bit. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not Khalil Houghton. Well, I mean, he is back. Uh, Will Johnson. Will Johnson's also a good tackler, and he's, he's a veteran guy, just like Stephen Parker. And then I thought, well, what about linebackers? You know, Emmanuel Beal. I mean, it'd be nice to see Emmanuel Beal play a real, real nice game and, 
Then I thought, oh, well, Caleb Kelly's really talented. You know, he's he's a talented defensive player. I mean, he could definitely play on Georgia's defense. You know, maybe he's a kind of guy that needs to step up and have a big game. So, I mean, I'm kind of cheating like you were with the offense. So, I this is an incredibly difficult question. But now that I've gone through all those names, my la- my answer to the question, most important player, is going to be Kenneth Murray because he's the middle linebacker. And middle linebackers do so much, and that's Roquan Smith's position. And Roquan Smith is a big reason why Georgia's defense is as good as it is. And obviously, Kenneth Murray is nowhere near as good as Roquan Smith. But if he can play a nice game, Kenneth Murray, that is, Oklahoma's defense has got a shot because he's the one that moves guys around. He's the one that can get that that can. Uh, he's just he's in, so, so important because he's he's in charge of so much of the field. So I'm going to go with Kenneth Murray. Lee, I also went. With, I also went with Kenneth Murray. Although I did cheat a little bit, I have another player I'm going to mention. Um, but I will go with with Kenneth Murray, and he, he's been inconsistent this year, Lee, especially plugging run lanes. He's he sometimes struggles finding the right gap. His youth really does show up a lot this year, and you know what? The defense has played their best games this year when Kenneth Murray plays well. Just just thinking now, Kenneth Murray's two best games this season have been at Ohio State. And in the Big Twelve Championship against TCU, he, he was he was pretty good in both of those games. He was he was actually he was really good against Ohio State. That was the best game he's played this year, and and he was good against TCU. Other than that, he's been pretty pretty inconsistent and sometimes bad this year. Um, we we know he's we know he's talented. We know he's athletic. It's I, I hope maybe playing this type of offense will 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 settle him down a little bit. But I, I don't know. I really don't know, Lee. And we're hoping that we get the, the good Kenneth Murray uh, on Monday. I really hope. My, my second player there, though, was also Parnell Motley, Lee. And, and, and here's the reason why. If the Parnell Motley from the first quarter of the season shows up, and I think in the last couple games uh, in the regular season, we started to see him maybe get his swagger back a little bit. He was, he was playing a lot better. I think that can go a long way to taking away a major part of Georgia's offense which would be taking away uh, Fromm's first read, so, I, which is huge. And we, we, we said in, in, in the, the episode from Christmas, Lee, that Fromm really does stare down his one read, and he, and he has not improved on that as the year has gone by at all. If you go back and watch the SEC championship game, he, he, he's continuing to do it. He stares down one read the entire time. And so we, we know Motley has he, he's shown that he can bait some guys. He did that to JT Barrett. He did that in a two-lane game. It'd just be really nice if, uh, if Parnell Motley showed up. And I do kind of feel like if the defense does play well and makes you know a big game-changing play, I just have a feeling it's going to be Parnell Motley. All right, next question. Best-case scenario for Oklahoma's defense against the Georgia offense. I'll let you start on this one. The defense from Columbus shows up. That that's it. The best case scenario is that there really is some something to the to the notion that that Mike Stoops really does do well against against run first teams and against teams that really uh, only have one option in the passing game. And and not that I didn't I, I don't mean in the sense that Georgia only has one good passing option. They have they have a handful of really good receivers. I just mean they're they're a one read team. There's if, if the ball is going to one person on offense and it's not going to him, if he's covered, then the ball is being thrown away. So what I'm saying is really, if they can, if, if they can somehow stop the run as effectively as they did in Columbus and they can take away Fromm's first option, which they have proven this year that they can do against a good offense at Ohio state, that's the best case scenario. And like I've said all year, Lee, get three stops per half and win the game. 
Yeah, I like that. That the mentioning Mike Stoops because I, you know I I am a believer of Mike Stoops for whatever reason does better as a defensive coordinator when he's not facing a Big Twelve offense. And now Georgia's offense is not your typical you know LSU where it's it's pretty pro style and kind of kind of boring and just run downhill. I mean Georgia does do predominantly shotgun. They'll have trips out. They'll have double twins. I mean, they'll spread guys out. So it's not like they're always tight, but they do have some tight formations. And as we heard Will Johnson say last week, it kind of reminds him as far as sets go, like UTEP, because UTEP actually thinking back to that game against UTEP, their you know their formations were pretty drastically different. I mean, they would do some some wild things, but they just don't have the personnel to make that really very effective. So best case scenario is that Mike Stoops is watching this film of this Georgia team and and it clicks. And he's, you know, this is the kind of offense that I know how to prepare against and defend. And it it turns out to be an aggressive Oklahoma that has some creative blitzes, that has some creative run fits, and really puts Georgia in a situation where I'm guessing Georgia's not expecting, where the Bulldogs are expecting to be able to come in, run their offense normal, and run it right down the throats of Oklahoma, hit their hit their uh, their gadget plays here and there, and score a lot of points. There's no doubt about that. Georgia's offense is is very confident, as they should be, as they should be. Oklahoma does not have a very, does not have a good defense. Uh, it's nice to know though that Oklahoma is playing better at the end of the year, and it's also nice to know having the back pocket that last year in the bowl game in a New Year's Six bowl game, Oklahoma's defense showed up and played pretty well against an, an, another SEC team. Granted, that's not as good as this this SEC team, but it's just nice to know that Oklahoma wasn't gashed against that gimmicky Auburn offense. I'd like to like the hope, best case scenario, is that they play even better against a non gimmicky Georgia offense. I hope so. That's, and I think unfortunately, I think we're at the point now where and, and this is where I, I really pause analyzing this game. I think on the defensive side, us as OU fans, we're at that point where I think we're just hoping for the best, and and that's not necessarily a position that I that I'm comfortable being in. All right, what is the? Let's see here. Where am I? What what is? Oh, I I wrote best twice. What is the worst case scenario for the Oklahoma defense? I mean, this is pretty easy. I mean, we see this we see the same defense that showed up against Baylor, that showed up against Iowa State. That showed up against Kansas State in the first half and just looks lost. I mean, that's that's the worst case scenario. There's no reason no reason to go too far in depth. I mean, I guess if you want to go more in depth game wise, Georgia comes out, runs their offense, runs the ball a lot, and has tons of success and just picks up tons of chunk yardage plays, setting up the play action passes where Fromm can have his one read and easily complete passes because the Oklahoma secondary is unsure. They're unsure of what whether or not it's going to be a run or a pass play, so they can't really commit one way or the other. And it's just difficult all the way around. So that's, to me, clearly the worst case scenario for the Oklahoma defense. Yeah, Lee, I, I said if if the OU comes out and they play like they have for seventy percent of the season, they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, more specifically, really, if the front seven performs like they did in the first half of that K State game, whereas they they really did uh, dedicate some extra guys into the box against K State, and they still couldn't do anything about it. They just couldn't get off blocks. If that's happening against Georgia, I I highly doubt you know, their their chances of, of correcting that at any point during the game because, you know, Georgia, Georgia ain't K-State. Um, I, I guess to get a little more specific as well, I could envision a scenario where, where Georgia comes out and tries to get clever and they come out throwing and they have success doing it with one-on-one situations, especially if OU really does dedicate someone to the box. Um, you know, what if Fromm just comes out and is just hot, is hot and, and 
and the Sooners just can't do anything about it, that's obviously going to open up the run game for Georgia. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but if that does happen, it's going to force Baker to be perfect. All right, that's our offense and defense looks. Time to move on to other aspects of the game. And the first question I have, who has the edge in special teams? Go ahead, Grant. Well, I'm... I'm not going to pretend to be a special teams wizard or, or anything of the like. So, so I'm just going to go. I'm going to fall back to my to my old reliable S and P on this. Per S and P, Lee Georgia has the best special teams unit in the country. They are number one in in special teams S and P. The Sooners are in the fifties. So, but we'll, we'll we'll dive a little more into it. Let's see here. The the kicking game seems for the most part to just to be a complete push. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, Georgia's kicker, he's 15 of 17 on the year on field goals. I don't think he really has any long field goals. Uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of field goals in the red zone. Seibert is 15 of 18, and Seibert's been really good of late, so I mean, kicking is, is, is pretty much a wash. In terms of touchbacks, uh, Blankenship is a, you know, has a touchback on kickoffs uh, 73% of the time. Seibert's at 77% of the time. The biggest difference is is when you kind of get you know more into the other stuff. Georgia is elite at covering kicks when it's not a touchback. They're fourth in the country um, at uh, kickoff coverage success rate, whereas Oklahoma is merely just good at it. They're 29th in the country, so you could argue that that's that's mostly just a wash. And then and then here's where it gets a little more grim for OU. OU is is poor at covering returnable punts. They're 98th in the country, whereas Georgia is good. They're 20th in the country. Oklahoma's bad uh, at returning kicks just in general they're 104th whereas Georgia is, is good again they're 26th Sooners this kind of surprised me they're they're just mediocre at punt returns they're 76th when they actually do return the punt oh you fans know and this has been the case for almost a decade no it they're we're we're a complete non-factor in the punt return game we just try not to turn it over um, whereas with, with punt returns Georgia is good they're 29th they have Nicole Hardman back on punts and on kickoffs I believe so I think the bottom line is the kicking game is a wash. The return game is a decided Georgia edge per S&P. Although I, I have heard Bill Connolly, kind of the, you know, the S&P guy, he, he has at point in times, he has said that he's not 100% confident in his S&P calculations. So really, is there a, is there a massive special teams edge for Georgia? I'm not sure, especially when the kicking game is, is so even. And I, it says that that Oklahoma has been bad all this. I, I don't really recall them really being that poor in any of this stuff all year, though. Have you, Lee? Uh, I when I posed this question, my main thought was Mikol Hardman. Keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible, and Oklahoma will be fine. Uh, he he's definitely more electric than anybody else. Oklahoma has back returning punts or returning kicks. Uh, I can only think of one really bad kickoff coverage play by Oklahoma, and that happened against Texas. It happened at the worst possible time when Texas was starting to get some momentum, and and they had just had uh, Oklahoma was up by I think twenty points, and poor kickoff coverage allowed Texas to get some to get some life back in the game, and, and that led to Texas kind of having that second quarter surge. Other than that, I don't really recall Oklahoma's special teams as far as uh, punt coverage or kick coverage being really that bad. I mean, a lot of it has to do with Cyber kicking the ball out of the back of the end zone so many yep. times. My my guess is is the poor the poor numbers there have to do with they really haven't even had to defend kickoffs at all this year. Uh, the seventy seven percent for Cybert actually surprises me. I would have guessed it was more ninety percent. Um, 
I don't think it would surprise any any Oklahoma fan or anybody watching the game if Cyber just doesn't allow Georgia to return any kicks in this game. Would that surprise you at all? I, I mean, no, I guess it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I hope that's what he's thinking. I mean, he's a smart, savvy player. He does them both. I, you know, that that would be really annoying if this game got decided on a dumb special teams play. I mean, I know special teams is one third of the game, but I mean, when we're watching film mostly, I skip on through the special team stuff because I mean. Come on. But I mean, I did kind of watch a little bit of Georgia, and that's why Nicole Hardman stood out because he had some big plays that first time against Auburn that kept Georgia, you know, maybe around a little bit longer than, than they could have been. And uh, he's just fast. He's fast and shifting. He's good. He's a good player. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't get the ball more on offense, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's he's good. He's a guy I wish, you know, I, I wish he was he was in a Sooners uniform. He's a really good player, especially returning kicks. So we'll see. I like it. Like you said, I, I hope that's, I hope that's not a factor in this game, but if it does, I, I do think Georgia does have the edge there just because they are, I, I think they are objectively better just returning kicks than OU is because typically OU just doesn't really, they don't really try to do much in, in that, in that part of the game. Next question. How much do you think the coaching matchup has to do with this game as, as far as determining the outcome? We got Lincoln Riley in his first year going up against Kirby Smart, who's in his second year at Georgia. So two fairly brand new, I mean, two one brand new coach and the other one a second year head coach. I mean, pretty interesting matchup, but it's it's two two guys who were fantastic coordinators before they got head coaching jobs. How much do you think this will play into the matchup, Grant? Assuming you know the players for both teams show up ready to play, I think you could argue it's of the utmost importance, Lee. I think we have we've talked about this for damn near a decade now, ever since the Sooners had six weeks off between games in 2008 playing against Florida. You know, the Sooners have f- four weeks to prepare for this game. I and me personally, if you give Lincoln Riley four weeks to prepare going against a defense, I feel really good about it. What about you? I do too. I again, I, I look back to the Ohio State game because I granted that wasn't the first game of the year. You know, for the entirety of the summer, a lot of game planning happened for Ohio State, and now he's had a month. I mean, granted, he's been busy. They've gone to New York City for the Heisman Trophy. He, they, you know, they they got to California this week, and and as we're recording this, they went to Disneyland. On, uh, on on Wednesday night. So there's been some distractions, but I spoke to my boss, Dean Blevins, uh, a couple of months ago. And, I mean, he does the coaches show with Lincoln Riley every single week, so he, he talks to Lincoln Riley consistently. And Dean told me that Lincoln Riley is just all in. I mean, he's constantly thinking football. And it's just, it's it's got to be just, I mean, in one sense, it's got to be pretty awesome because football is awesome and it's really fun. In the other sense, it's, it's probably pretty stressful, but it's not surprising because it's his first year. There's such high expectations, and he loves it. He absolutely loves it, and he's, it's new to him. This whole head coach thing is new to him, so I'm with you. I mean, giving him four weeks to prepare for a defense, knowing that he is so invested as well as the rest of the team from what we understand, I feel pretty good about that, and, and I feel better about Lincoln Riley going up against Kirby Smart's defense, because Kirby Smart's known for defense, I feel, I, I feel like there's a slight edge to Lincoln Riley, even though Lincoln Riley is only a first-year head coach. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that has to do with I, I think Lincoln Riley is the best is the best offensive mind in all of college football. Let's not let's not sell Kirby Smart short, though. I mean, for for years, he was the architect of Nick Saban's defense at Alabama. He won multiple national championships at, at national championships at Alabama. I absolutely hate the the storyline of oh OU and that 2014 Sugar Bowl shredded Kirby Smart's Alabama defense. That's a really lazy bad take. I. I I that game means absolutely nothing going into this game. I can't believe anyone would even bring that up. It means absolutely nothing. Um, Kirby Smart knows what he's doing, though. I, I I think it would be I think it would be really really foolish to sell Kirby Smart short. It so none of this has anything to do with you know me disrespecting Kirby Smart. It has everything to do with just our confidence in Lincoln Riley. And I've just seen some just really smart stuff. I mean, not, not only is this OU offense, I think, the most t- talented offense in the country in terms of personnel, but it's just the most clever, smartest offense in the country, too. They, they just they do a lot of really smart things. Well, I think it is, sure, one game, pointing out that one game where he was a defensive coordinator at Alabama and, and Trevor Knight had such a good game. Sure, that's one game, but I think it is useful to point out that even though he has had so much success as defensive coordinator for Alabama, for whatever reason, when they would actually play elite-level type quarterbacks, that defense wasn't as good. That defense gave up a lot of points and yards. And it just makes you think, man, the SEC doesn't really have a whole lot of great quarterbacks over the years. And it, I'm not just, saying the defense has been bad. I'm just saying that going up against, you know, when, when they match up with somebody that actually, you know, has that, that elite-level talent, like a Deshaun Watson, like a Johnny Menzel, like a Baker Mayfield – um, they've struggled else? and you're right you know they've struggled Lee and I think I, I think an easier way to just to dismiss that and not maybe to dismiss it but just to explain it is that every defense struggles when they go against an elite level quarterback that has really good receiver options and and uh and and, and NFL offensive linemen every defense struggles <laughs> so I they just do. I mean, watch professional football. It's it doesn't it doesn't matter how good your defense is if Tom Brady's on the other end, you're going to get freaking torched. So, yeah, that's uh, true. And and so I I think I think that just has more to do with it. This this OU offense has, I, this OU offense has ten or eleven guys who are going to play in the NFL play in this game, and and I and I don't think, and obviously and arguably Georgia has not seen anything like that this year, nor do the majority of of college football teams. One more note on the coaching matchup that makes me even more confident in Lincoln Riley, and I was reminded of it watching a bit of that Ohio State game. Just think about, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkles he puts in. You mentioned how clever Oklahoma is offensively. Just watching back that first that first drive or the first four series, I mean, just the direct snaps to Abdul Adams and like the, like the fake pitches to Baker Mayfield and then the kind of cat and mouse game with Kyler Murray coming in and, and then running the option with Trey Sermon with Kyler Murray and just... It just makes you wonder, okay, you know Lincoln Riley's going to have some sort of new new plays. I mean, there, some no new doubt looks about that, it. No doubt and, about it. They're going to have some they're absolutely mm-hmm. going to have some some wrinkles. Do you think we see Kyler Murray at Ole? Yeah. Yes. I think so. I think we will. Uh, uh okay, you know, I was super confident literally 5 seconds ago. Now I, I'm starting to uh, I'm not as confident because I I think they kind of burned it with that Ohio State game. They, it was obviously designed, like Baker Mayfield kind of getting injured or whatever and pretending like he was hurt and then coming out. They can't do that again. They can't pretend like Mayfield's, you know, 
cramping up and and then because they'll know something's up. So, yeah, maybe not. Maybe we won't see Kyler Murray. I was gonna say unless unless they have some sort of you know super creative way to get him in there and that 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 I have never thought of before. I, I doubt that we would see Kyler Murray just because if he's in there at quarterback, you, you would just automatically you know automatically assume that he's running right. And, and yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think, you know, they would line him up at receiver or anything like that. They already have Marquise Brown out there. They're basically the same person athletically. So I I, I think it would be cool to see Kyler Murray, but only under the right circumstances. I, I just I, I can't envision any sort of scenario where he would really be of much help, you know, in this game. And one more note, I'd like to think that the best offensive mind in college football has at minimum at minimum two plays if not more money plays that he knows that Oklahoma has to go for two at the end of the game and they he knows that this play will work no matter what or let's say it's fourth down late in the game and Oklahoma absolutely needs a first down this two-point play essentially or effectively will get get the job done I'd like to think that at minimum Oklahoma's got two of those in their back pocket that we haven't seen before also if this is not in their playbook I hope it is in their playbook do you remember watching that Monday night game from a month or two ago between the Bears and the Vikings when the Bears ran a the most creative two-point conversion play I've ever seen? Did you ever see that? I watched the game in full, but I'm not sure if I recall that play. You want to explain it real quick? It's it's hard to explain, but basically it's it was like a triple or quadruple option that ended up with a pitch back to Mitch Trubisky who ran it in untouched to the end zone okay yes points. i i vaguely remember it now i'm gonna i'm gonna go was, back and watch it but that's a that was a very very cool play it was one of the coolest plays i've ever seen in my life i i couldn't like it was it was like they handed it off to the tight end who went in motion or something like that and they handed it off to another player and then they did the triple option to trubisky and it works because trubisky is somewhat mobile anyways i hope that's in their playbook because that could be used with kyler murray or baker mayfield obviously all right, next question. How much do you think, and you brought this up to me the other day, and I thought this was a good point. How much does it matter that Oklahoma has been to the playoff before and Georgia has not, Grant? I think it matters. I think it matters more just because I, I think I think the fact that they're starting a true freshman quarterback in the freaking Rose Bowl is, is probably a bigger deal. But, yeah, I, I don't think you can dismiss the fact that, that OU has played in the, the college football playoff and the Sugar Bowl the last two years while Georgia was playing in – God knows where, and then they were in the Birmingham Bowl last year. So, yeah, I, I absolutely do think that matters because, you know, what happens, and I'm sure Georgia, I, I, I'm not positive this will happen. I'm, I'm sure Georgia may come in with, you know, a lot of poise and they may not be nervous, but what happens if that little seedling of doubt creeps in? What happens if OU comes out and just kind of punches them in the mouth real quick? I have a lot, I have a lot more confidence in OU recovering from a bad start than I do Georgia because I've seen Georgia the one time this year they have gotten punched in the mouth they folded like a freaking chair so I I think it's really important and now at this time of the year remember a couple months ago when we were trying to decide if playing these close games was actually a benefit to Oklahoma because these were close games against teams that frankly should not have been close it should not have been close and now it even though they still shouldn't have been close. I mean, Georgia's played a lot of blowouts. Oklahoma, even against some not-so-good teams, has had to fight for some wins. Even against really good teams, though, that the knowledge that Oklahoma was able to withstand punches and withstand hits and be trailing late in the game like Oklahoma was against Kansas State, 
for instance, like Oklahoma was against Texas, for instance, and come back and still win, even though it wasn't against Georgia. Mentally, that that's helpful, I think. I mean, it's nice to know that, you know, what we're never out of this game because we've been here before, even though, again, I can't emphasize it enough, not against teams like Georgia, but still the fact that they were there, I think it means something. And that goes to your point, I think, that you just made. And so I, I don't think it's everything. I, I don't think that at all. And it, it may come into handy. It, it may not at all. We don't know. But like I said, I, I think I've said this a couple times in the last few weeks, Lee. I will take any sort of advantage that Georgia is willing to give OU. And that, that's, that's been a theme with OU all year, Lee. This has, been, this has been the most poised Oklahoma football team I have seen since the 2000 National Championship team. It is. That doesn't. That doesn't mean they're going to win the national championship. But mentally, outside of that, you know, that one game in early October, this team has been really sharp mentally. They do not let a lot of stuff bother them. Just some quick numbers for you. you want to feel even more confident in the Oklahoma offense going into this game, Grant? Five of Oklahoma's offensive starters also played in that game against Clemson in 2015 in the playoffs. Baker Mayfield, Orlando Brown, Drew Samia. Dimitri Flowers and Mark Andrews all through all five of those guys have already played in this this kind of stage on offense and also players who who saw saw playing time in that game on the offensive side of the ball Jordan Smallwood and Jeffrey Mead which Jeffrey Mead's kind of disappeared the last part of the year so and then def- defensively Stephen Parker started in that game also Jordan Thomas started Jordan Thomas isn't playing as much anymore Kind of interesting. But also Khalil Houghton and Will Johnson saw playing time in that game. Same with DJ Ward and Marquise Overton on the defensive line. So And Austin Seibert was in that game as well. So Oklahoma has some significant players on both sides of the football who have been in the playoff before. And comfort level is a big deal to me. I think it's important to be comfortable. And even though it's not the same location as previously when they were playing in, what, Miami, I believe, in the Orange Bowl, still the fact that they know that this is the biggest stage, the Final Four, and those 14 players have played in a game like this. I think that's significant. No, absolutely. And I that was one of the if more... If you don't have anything to add to it, we can move on. I do. Oh, well, I was going to say, I mean, that that was one of the more underrated storylines all year. And I, I, they, I never thought that OU got enough credit for it, even coming into this season, of just how experienced this team was in the most important spots. And this is... An incredibly experienced team, obviously at quarterback, both of the tackle spots, uh, on on defense in the secondary with 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 Stephen Parker. So th- this is a te- this team is not going to fold. This team is going to be mentally there the entire time, and they know they have number six on their team. They know they're never out of this thing, and and I think that is a decided mental advantage. And I, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they come out ready to go, balls to the wall at all times, and they don't fall behind. But you know, in the in the event that, and not so, it, not like it's it, it's really that out of the realm of possibility that they could get down in this game. It's happened a ton this year, and you know why wouldn't it happen against the number three team in the country? So, it, absolutely, it, it's good to have that. And and so I'll I'll repeat my point one more time just to put a bow on it. If OU gets down in this game, I am much more confident in their ability not to fold than I am of Georgia. I, I think I think Georgia can and maybe will fold if you can get up a couple scores on them do i think that's likely not particularly but it's it's certainly a possibility all right grant we're about an hour into this podcast here's where it gets fun 
What do you want to see happen on Monday in the Rose Bowl when Oklahoma finally plays against Georgia after all of this waiting time? What do you want to see happen? I just want to win. I don't care how they do it. I I, I don't care what the final score is. Win Have some the, fun with it. I know. Win the freaking game. That's all I, all right. I, I know. And I mean, sure. I mean, in my wildest dreams, what I want to see happen, I want to, I want to see them dominate. Of course I do. Just like every fan wants to see their team dominate. And I, but most uh, personally, I, I really want to see this offense have the same amount of success against this Georgia defense as they've had all season long. I think that would just really validate what a lot of us really kind of truly believe that this offense is really something special and and to see them do it against this defense would would just be a lot of fun to watch. And me me especially, I think all of us want to see Baker have a good game. I want to and, and of course, a surprise. I'm going to say it again. I want to see them run the ball down their throat. And I think they can. Will it happen? I'm not sure, but I think I think they're capable of doing it. All right, to add to your 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 want, your fantasy if you will. I uh, yeah, I'd like to see them run the ball as well too, because uh, I have heard that that narrative of Oklahoma's offensive line has not seen a defensive line like Georgia's, uh, and just and frankly a defense like Georgia's, where since December third, I think that's whenever we just found out they were playing, we've been saying, well, at least I have that. Hold on a second, no, I mean Oklahoma has seen a defense this year that's that's comparable to Georgia, not necessarily as good, but comparable, and that's TCU. S- you know what I want to see happen. Just I guess to be different, I want to see Oklahoma stretch the field and hit big pass plays against this Georgia secondary because I don't think this Georgia secondary has seen. Well, I mean I know they have. I mean they have not seen a team consistently try to take shots this year, and I want to see Oklahoma do what they normally do. I mean just take shots, take shots, spread the field, spread, you know, and, and make it difficult on secondaries. And I want to see them hit them, and I want to see some open guys running in the field and Georgia secondary thinking, oh my gosh, what do we get ourselves into here? That's what I want to see. And I also like to see Roquan, Roquan Smith be pretty much neutralized because honestly, remember when a couple weeks ago, whenever I was saying, oh man, I, the, the couple games I've watched, he really hasn't jumped out at film as much to me. And you said, what are you talking about? I, he, jumps out Phil, he jumps out to me every single game. Well, I want this to be one of those games where he really doesn't really jump off the film at you because he's kind of just there. And, I mean, he'll still get – I mean, Roquan Smith is going to get his 10-plus tackles. He always does. I mean, I think there's only been like maybe two games this year where he was held under 10 tackles, if that. But it's not like he's always getting sacks and tackles for loss and things like that. I mean, yeah, he'll he'll get a tackle here and there. I'd like to see him kind of neutralized and basically – them not going to cut away shots of Roquan Smith flexing and and you know and really not just Roquan Smith. I mean the other like Loren is it Lorenzo Carter, the other linebacker they Yeah, have, Lorenzo Carter, uh, who's like who's Devin like seven Bellamy. feet tall, it seems like. And yeah, I mean just I mean that, those guys having field days because I'd like to see them look surprised and basically the way TCU's defense looked, the way Ohio State's defense looked, the first time they played Oklahoma's offense this year and finally saw them up close. That's so, what I want to see. So happen. helpless. You want them to look helpless. Like we thought we were prepared for these guys. We watched them on film, but man, it's still so much different being here on the same field as them. That's what I want to see. And I think that's one of the fun parts about this offense is they really are capable of of punching you in the mouth. And it's we've seen it time and time again this year. And you're right. It would be it would be emotionally satisfying, especially for this OU fan, if they came out and just slugged Georgia right in the mouth. I think that would be awesome.
All right, what we've all been waiting for. This entire month has been leading up to this. Our predictions for the Rose Bowl. Grant, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I will ask the question, what will happen on Monday? And I'm going to give a final score prediction. I know you don't want to. I'm not going to make you. But would you like me to start or do you want to go? I'll go first. Uh, just because I, I I want you to to end this maybe on a different note, but so I I'll be I'm gonna be perfectly candid with everybody. I I do not have a good feeling about this game. Um, I I just I have zero confidence in Oklahoma's defense. I it, it is very very it, it's a lot easier for me to picture Georgia's defense playing well than it is for for OU's defense to play well, and I know. I know that might upset some people, but I, I just I can only go off of what I've seen for majority of this season, and for majority of the season, this defense has been atrocious. It's not a championship level defense, and this this Georgia offense is good. It's 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 going to be one of the three or four best they've seen all year, and you know outside of that Ohio State game, when that's happened, they, this this the defense has not responded well, and this is not a team that is that is going to be in tight sets and is going to run eye formation. They spread you out and they and they they pound the ball, which is going to make it more difficult to get guys in the box. I just I, I really do think that they are going to have success keeping Baker Mayfield off the field, and I, I'm not going to outright predict that Georgia is going to win this game, but I I absolutely do think that there is something to the idea of Georgia being favored. I, I think it, I I think they should be favored. To be completely honest with you. And, and so wait, so so you're not going to predict a winner? I no, I, I can't. It's, I, it's, <laughs> it goes. I'm sorry. I've I've gone back and forth way too much, and I I just I I just don't feel great what about what you the think game. about this game has no bearing on what will actually happen in the game. Just just so oh. you know that. I, I know I know I'm not I've I've gotten out of more of that superstitious garbage I, I don't no matter what we say it doesn't matter how the game is going to go I'm just being honest with you I, I I don't see Oklahoma getting enough stops I think they're going to get kind of run on the defensive side of the ball so is this kind of similar I can't remember I, I know I took the chicken way out against Texas because I just didn't know what team was going to show up against Texas so I didn't predict a winner for that one I can't did you predict a winner for the Texas game I can't remember yeah I thought I I I said I'm pretty sure I thought that OU would win that game and it would be kind of wild and crazy, but I I I didn't know how like I didn't know how they would win. I I just based off of what what had happened okay. against Iowa State, I I just wasn't that confident. I thought they would win, but I just wasn't very confident in this. So it, just to tell the audience what I'm really thinking, I'm I'm literally at like a 55 45 proposition here. I I just think. OU's defense has been so bad this year, and I don't want to be that guy who is just who is just hoping that they're going to play well. Whereas Georgia's put it on tape; they've played well defensively in you know twelve of their thirteen games. OU's played well on defense three out of their thirteen games this year, and I I'm I'm just not confident in that at all. That's if if you're upset with me at that, that's fine. But I I lean Georgia in this game. All right, well, I said it a month ago. I said it before I had really dived into any sort of film, any sort of Georgia tape, just straight off off the bat when I heard about the matchup. I thought that Oklahoma should win this game convincingly. And by convincingly, I'm going to go ahead and put that parameter at double-digit points, more than, more than one score. How about that? So now a month has gone by roughly. 
you know, what do I, has, has my idea, has my thoughts changed? And as I've watched more film, I will say that I have gained more respect for George's offense than I did a month ago. They have shown me times where they are a bit creative and they have some good offensive concepts where they're not just lining it up and, and giving the ball to their most talented players and just using basically size and, and speed just to beat you on talent alone. I have seen that, and of course the defense is, is good. The defense looks better and better and better. But at the same time, I've been kind of surprised by what I've seen from the defense. I thought it'd be a little bit more aggressive and more man-oriented than, I, than I've seen. Really, it's been more of like a 50-50 kind of split. I mean, which it's probably pretty smart. I mean, you don't play a whole lot. You know, you're not married to playing man coverage and blitzing all the time. You're not married to playing straight-up zone. What I've seen is a defense on film that Oklahoma has has every you know, has have all the abilities offensively to exploit and have success against. Do they, I mean they got to play really well to do it? But I've got I'll go back to this point that I made in previous podcasts. In the games this year, Oklahoma going in was questionable to win. Whether the the line they were they were underdogs like Ohio State and even against Oklahoma State, or there was a question mark like Texas where hey you know pretty close line. Are they going to win this game? Oklahoma has played really, really well, especially on the offensive side of the football and at times on the defensive side of the football. So what we've seen from this season, from this team, is that when the game comes up, a game comes up where Oklahoma is a questionable team to win. Not sure. It's not a slam dunk. It's not they're going to go against Baylor. And I know Baylor was pretty close, but it was a slam dunk. Oklahoma was favored by tons of points. In a game where they're – it's it's not a slam dunk that they're going to win. Oklahoma has played awesome offensively for the most part. So I have no reason to believe that Oklahoma's offense will not also show up again against Georgia in this game. So that means I think Oklahoma's offense is going to play really well in this game because that's what we've seen. And all we can do is base our predictions and our thoughts on what we have seen on tape up to this point. And there's a pretty good sample size, 13 games of Oklahoma showing up offensively when the game matters the most and playing pretty darn well to elite level offense now defensively you're exactly right for the most part this defense has been atrocious this year and they played one awesome game against Ohio State a couple of decent games played pretty well in the Big 12 championship game played played okay against TCU the first time around played actually played pretty okay against Texas even though Texas is pretty one-dimensional played well ish second half against Kansas State and played pretty well for three quarters against Texas Tech. The key is, though, I'm a big fan of looking at what have you done for me lately. And we have two years now of Oklahoma defenses that have been bad, that have slowly gotten better as the season has progressed when it matters the most. And last year, Oklahoma, on the defensive side of the ball, got better as the year went on, tried to get the, uh, you know, get to the playoff on an outside chance never did still Oklahoma showed up for the Sugar Bowl had something to prove and the defense played really well and the offense after a bit of a slow start against Auburn played pretty well and beat Auburn by what two or three touchdowns in that game so basing off of that I told you this a few weeks ago this defense seems very similar to last year where it was atrocious but then sometimes somehow they figured it out and they've gotten you know, they've gotten better it's not good but they've gotten better and I think back to last year when they 
had a month to prepare for Auburn and played pretty well against Auburn. Slow down that gimmicky Auburn defense or offense. I'm sorry. And I'm going to cherry pick and I'm going to think back all the way to 2008 when they had a lot of time to prepare for that Florida offense, that gimmicky, high octane, a lot of NFL player Florida offense. And that was a year when Oklahoma's defense was not very good. Not very good really at all. And I know if you look at some of the numbers, the in-depth numbers that you like, it actually looked, the defense actually wasn't that bad. That was an elite run defense team, though. An elite run defense team. Mm. I mean, it was you know in the fifties and sixties though total defense, and it, just, I, it wasn't. I give, it wasn't I give good. absolutely no credence to just raw total yardage. Well, elite. I mean, not a whole lot of Big Twelve teams really ran the ball a whole mu- whole bunch back then that I remember. I mean, Texas did a bit. They always ran. I think they Texas was able to run them out of the building. I mean, but nobody else could really run it. I mean, that was like the that the team. High, that, yeah. Lee, yeah, Lee. That team. That that team was an elite run defense, and they also rushed the passer very well. So it, they were just they were just kind of leaky in the secondary every now and then. That that was a really good defense. That was a very underrated defense. This defense is bad. It's a bad bad defense. There's no I, other way. There's no Oklahoma other way to spin. Two thousand eight was not was not really good. And with a month to prepare for Florida, it played its best game of the season. Played its was, best game of the year. That was Brent Venables. That, that was this. That was ten years ago. That that game has nothing to do with this game whatsoever. Okay, I mean, just say okay. Well, that's why I, at first I said last year's game too. I mean, we have that precedent where Oklahoma's defense has showed up in games that matter. I think the defense is going to show up and play well. I think they're going to be able to slow down and get some stops. I mean, they're not going to stop them all the time. I mean, Georgia's still going to get theirs. Georgia's offense is is still a good offense, and it's not like Oklahoma's defense is good, but Oklahoma's defense is improving. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something that I have a, a little bit of hesitation to do, but I'm gonna put a little bit of faith into Mike Stoops because this is not a Big 12 team, and he's got a month to prepare, and I think he's gonna see something. I think Oklahoma's gonna play well. They're gonna give up some points, but I think they're also gonna score a lot of points. I say Oklahoma wins the Rose Bowl, 41-28. I hope you're right. I, by God, I hope you're right. I hope you completely nail that prediction, and I, I hope that I I hope that I've never been more wrong about anything in my entire life. Okay, well, hey, that was pretty good. That was about an hour fifteen of straight OU Georgia Rose Bowl talk. That might have been our best our best talk yet. That's Let's, more that's more Rose Bowl talk the entire than the entire national media combined in the last four and a half weeks. <laughs> that's that is true. All right, so now our big bowl game picks. We're going to have to run through these pretty quick. I'm going to do this. We're going to, at the very end of this all, we're going to tally them all up because even some of the games you've already predicted on this podcast have not ended yet. So we're we're just going to, at the very end, we're going to just tally it all up. So right now I'm not going to give you an updated record, our bowl record, even though I'm sure everyone out there doesn't really care anyways. So Friday. We'll start with the Belk Bowl. Wake Forest is a three-point favorite over Texas A&M. Of course, Kevin Sumlin is out. Jeff Banks, the special teams coordinator, is the interim head coach for Texas A&M. Uh, I, I don't trust Texas A&M really at all. I don't think they're. I don't think the Aggies are particularly a very good football team. I don't know much about Wake Forest either, uh, but I'm going to take the the favored Demon Deacons to win the Belk Bowl. I'll go with Texas A&M just to be different. I. I the only reason why I would pick them is, is I, I think Texas A&M has better individual players, and I'm just going to bank on them, you know, 
being being more prepared than Wake Forest, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I totally understand why you would pick Wake Forest, but just to be different, I'll take Texas A&M because I, I've had absolutely no feel for any of these bowl games. Next one, number 24, North Carolina State's a six-and-a-half-point favorite against Arizona State in the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Both teams going to El Paso on Friday afternoon for a 2 o'clock kickoff. No feel at all for this game whatsoever at all. I think NC State's got a lot of good players, so I'll take the Wolf Pack. I'll also take NC State. This is a game, I think Arizona State is quite the paper tiger. They got hot a little bit in the in the middle of the season, but for the most part, they've been a very mediocre team all year. NC State has had has had moments where they've been very good, and they also have you know some NFL players. They got a decent quarterback. I'll, I'll take NC State. Next up is the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Kentucky against number 21 Northwestern. Northwestern is seven and a half point favorite over an SEC team in Kentucky who had, I think the Wildcats had one of their, maybe their best year in, under Mark Stoops. I mean, I, I don't know what their record is, to be honest with you, but I know they've had a pretty good season. They got their first one over Florida, I think, since like the 60s or something, or maybe even longer. I'm going to take Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to, Northwestern has a favorite. I'm not going to buy them. I think they're better as an underdog. I'm going to take Kentucky to pull the upset here. I will take Northwestern by double digits. Okay. Next one, the bowl game of the day, the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl in Tucson between New Mexico State and Utah State. <sighs> Utah State's a four-point favorite. I have no idea. I'll, I'm going to take the Aggies, man. Aggies pull off the upset. I think they're both Aggies, actually. They are. It's Aggie versus Aggie and New, Mex <laughs> New Mexico State. So the underdog Aggies are going to pull the off the upset. Yeah, New Mexico State. This is their first bowl game in 57 years. And, of course, 57 years ago, they played Utah State in their bowl game, of course, because, I mean, why not? But I'll, I'll take New Mexico State also just because I have no idea. Maybe they'll be happier to be there. Who knows? All right. Next up, the Cotton Bowl is on Friday at 7.30, of course, at Jerry's World. Ohio State. The fifth ranked team in the nation with seven seven and a half point favorites over USC. One of the better bowl matchups of the year, even though Ohio State not going to be happy because they thought they should should be in the playoff. USC a little more momentum. They knew they wouldn't be in the playoffs, so maybe they'll be more happy to be there. I mean, Ohio State's a much better team than USC. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Ohio State's a really good team. It's just the inconsistencies of the Buckeyes is striking. Oh man, uh, I, I'll take Ohio State to make a statement and get a win over a USC team that really I I don't think USC is that good. Yeah, this is this is one of those games really if Ohio State wants to win they'll they'll win by double digits. It's really that simple. So we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. And I just a little jab at the people in the national media who have said this USC Ohio State game should be the Rose Bowl. They should switch the game. Shut up. You guys are hacks. It's the the Rose Bowl is 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 fine the way it is. It's just Calm down, people. That's all I have to say. It bugged me, and if for and of course, I'm just going back to my opening take again. But it, it that that talking point has really bugged me. It's 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 bugged me. That's it, it's not it's not the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten that makes the Rose Bowl special. Stop pretending that that that's that's what makes it special. The best the best Rose Bowl ever was between Texas and USC. So just pound sand. <laughs> also, just a sidebar storyline that's interesting. Sam Darnold against Ohio State's defense, if Ohio State's defense actually wants to be there. That's interesting because I am – Sam Darnold needs some work, put it that way. He's not ready for the NFL. And uh, I, I think it's incredibly insane how much pump, how much pub he got 
after now watching him play this entire year, he has a lot of work to do, man. He's definitely got the talent, but not right now. I mean, Baker Mayfield is is a much better quarterback right now than Sam Darnold, and it's really not close. Just as far as mechanics go, ar- arm strength might be a wash. Baker might have a better arm right now than Darnold. Darnold throws off his back foot a lot. Um, just Darnold's got him in size. I mean, Darnold's got him by about three or four inches. And, I mean, that's kind of the, the weird thing about it is all things being equal, I mean, Baker Mayfield is is the number one hands-down pick in this upcoming draft. It's just the side. I mean, it's whole, I'm kind of getting away from the game, but uh, that's a sidebar storyline. that I'm interested to see how Darnold does against that aggressive, good Ohio State defense. On Saturday, the Tax Slayer Bowl in Jacksonville pits Louisville versus Mississippi State. Of course, Nick Fitzgerald is out, so Louisville is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm surprised this line's not bigger with Fitzgerald being out. I... I'm definitely going to take Louisville because Mississippi State doesn't have a coach and they don't have their starting quarterback. So I'm going to take the Cardinals to win that one. I I would guess it's close because Mississippi State really has been pretty solid on defense. Yeah, their defense is good. And and, and Louisville's uh, defense is terrible. So I I think they're they're maybe thinking, you know, Mississippi State still might be able to run the ball and maybe keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hand. That, you know, I, I think it's. If Mississippi State it'll, wins, it'll be a complete surprise. I think you have to go with Louisville here. Um, that doesn't mean that they're certainly going to win, but I, I just, outside of Mississippi State just kind of showing up out of nowhere and playing really well, I, I just don't really see how they how they win. They don't they don't have a quarterback. Their offense is dreadful. Next game on Saturday, Iowa State and Memphis and the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. It's an 11.30 a.m. kickoff. Memphis is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I like Iowa State. Iowa State's going to be excited to be in this bowl game. It's close to New Year's Day. You give Matt Campbell all this time to prepare, and and he's a good – I mean, Iowa State's defense is good, and you have all this time to prepare for a high-flying offense. Iowa State knows how to defend high-flying offenses. And I think back to Mike Norvell and Memphis earlier in the year. I know this is kind of nothing, but to me this is something. He and his staff were so pumped up to beat UCLA by, like, a field goal or whatever it was, and UCLA is was awful. UCLA was defense was so bad, especially that time of the year. Anytime I see a, a coach and people getting so pumped up to be a to beat a not very good team, I'm like, eh, I don't I don't buy you very much. I'm going to go with Iowa State. Lee, I'm also going to go with Iowa State. I, I, Iowa State's defense is sneaky underrated. Good. They're just they're just solid, and and I think they're I, I think Memphis is is going to put up a lot of yards and they're going to score. But they're going to have to earn every single yard that they get against Iowa State. And then on the flip side, I don't. Memphis's defense is is bad. Like it's it's bad. I don't know how they're going to tackle David Montgomery. I, I I think I think Iowa State is is going to effectively be able to just keep the ball out of Memphis's hands. I I just really don't think they're going to be able to tackle David Montgomery. I'll take Iowa State. Although this game might be a home game for Memphis. Now that I think about it, the game you, is in Memphis. Is that their home field? Do you know? I th- yeah, I think it is. But even if it is, I mean, do, that's does, pretty weak. Does Memphis like sell that place out? I don't know. I mean, hey, Iowa State's pretty good going on the road and, and winning. So yeah, they've done it twice this year. Next game, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Fun note: back the last time Oklahoma was at the Rose Bowl, that Rose Bowl was sponsored by PlayStation. Remember that? I do. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of kind of interesting. Anyways, this is Washington against Penn State. Penn State's a two point favorite. Uh, I like the Nittany Lions. I bagged on Penn State all season long, but this is a bad matchup for Washington. I think Penn State's going to 
Penn State could probably could could probably run them. I think they're they they will run them. I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. I couldn't disagree more. I think the the chances of the team getting run is mostly is is mostly Penn State. Washington's really underrated. They have they have one of the five best defenses in the country. Saquon Barkley's not going to get anything. When Washington's in this game. defense has faced a competent offense this year, it's been not very good. I they don't when, they haven't had placed anybody. When Penn State's offensive line has faced a competent defense this year, Saquon Barkley is usually held to like 20 yards. Uh, Saquon Barkley's not getting anything. I think in Washington's this game. defense is eh, is not I, as good as you're saying. That, right. I guess that's my point. And I think I'm, Penn State's got a good defense. I'm going to take Washington a decided coaching advantage too. Chris Peterson's an excellent coach. I'm going to take he Washington. Is. He is. Nobody's picking Washington in this game. This is going to be one of those games where everyone looks at it and is surprised that Washington won, even though they have better players than Penn State. I'll take Washington. Yeah. No, they don't have better players than Penn State. This is this this is pretty much the same Washington team that was in the playoff last year. They just I this is it's they've been under the radar this year, and of course Penn State could win. Penn State really hasn't even played a bad game this season. Uh, but I'm going to take Washington. I think they're they're so much better up front than Penn State is, and okay. they're going to win in the trenches. Next up on Saturday is the Orange Bowl, and this is ridiculous to me. Miami is at home, literally at home against Wisconsin in this game, even though the Badgers are favored by five. And until I found out that this game was actually a home game for Miami, I was all on Wisconsin. But now that I, I found out again that it's literally a home game for Miami, and that's Miami's like somehow like the best team in college football when they play at home, I'll take the Canes to beat the Wisconsin. I'm also going to take Miami just because I, everyone is picking Wisconsin. Everyone has also just kind of seems to forget that Miami's playing a home game. I did until you reminded me of that yesterday. I mean, and plus, you, they're not just playing a home game. They're playing a home game as an underdog. As an underdog? <laughs> they're, like, that's, Wisconsin is going to have maybe like 10, 15,000 fans there. Other than that, it's going to be the, the crazy Miami fans that showed up for that Notre Dame game. It's going to be nuts. Miami, Miami's yeah. going to win. Miami's going to win. Yeah, I just yeah, it's just it's insane how much better that team played at home. It's just it's crazy. Um, finally, New Year's Day, we got four games to pick. We've already picked obviously one of them, the the Rose Bowl. The other four games, starting with Michigan and South Carolina in the Outback Bowl and Tampa at eleven a.m. kickoff. Man, I, could they really put? Why they put these two teams together, Grant? Two of the worst offenses in college football, and two of the better defenses in college. Why? Why couldn't they have played different teams? Like that's annoying to me. That is super annoying because like you're not going to get to see really. You're not going to see Michigan's defense tested. You're not going to see South Carolina's defense tested. It's just, it's annoying to me. I, I'm gonna, you know what? I don't know who's gonna win this game. I don't think Michigan's offense is very good at all. I so I can't trust Michigan. I'm gonna take South Carolina. I'm going to take Michigan just because I, in a game like this between two good defenses and incompetent offenses, just take the better defense. And I think that's Michigan by, by quite a bit, actually. I think Michigan is, is a top 10 unit in the country, probably. South Carolina is, is a solid defensive team, but, but not, not as good as that. So I'll take Michigan. It's, it's gonna be a, that that game's going to be ugly, almost unwatchable. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Next up, uh, let's do the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Between Notre Dame and LSU, I feel the same way about this game. These are two teams that are kind of similar. They don't throw the ball. They have pretty good defenses. It's like, why can't we see these teams play somebody else? Uh, Notre Dame is struggling at the end of the year. LSU is LSU, and, and I don't. I mean, I don't like either one of these teams to be honest with you. Uh, by the way, the Tigers favored by by a field goal. I'll just, I don't know. I, <sighs> 
I'm going to go. Uh, no, I can't take. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I just I do not feel comfortable taking LSU. I don't like LSU. I, I think this is this is a game. This is maybe the most even of all the bowl games. These these two teams are like identical. They're they're pretty much the same. <laughs> I, I I said I had said pretty much all throughout the year. I thought Notre Dame was kind of a paper tiger, and they were. I I think I think Notre Dame is merely just a good team. They they were nowhere near as good as people thought they were before they went to Miami. You know, I, I'll take LSU only just to be different from you. And I flip a coin on this one. Who knows? Two more games left. We'll get this uh, get this podcast wrapped up. This is the most interesting game to me, uh, outside of obviously the Rose Bowl. I, I can't wait to watch this game. Central Florida against Auburn in the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Games in Atlanta. Auburn's favored by nine and a half. I like watching McKenzie Milton and that UCF offense play, and I like that Scott Frost is still coaching for them. Uh, you know, Auburn so deflated by not being a, getting a, getting a chance to make the playoff. Uh, I mean, obviously they have better players than UCF. It's it's UCF, but I don't know if I don't think Auburn's defense has faced. I mean, they haven't faced an offense like this all year long. Even Georgia. I mean, Georgia's offense is really good. UCF's offense does different things in Georgia, but Georgia's got better players. So, uh, I think UCF's going to cover, but I'm going to take Auburn to win just because I think they have better players and uh, UCF's defense probably is no UCF's defense is not very good. So I think Auburn's going to be able to just run all over them. Yeah, UCF's defense is, is is not good. It's mediocre at best. Uh, like I, I hate Auburn's offense so much. That that's the most overrated offense in the country. They're they're really just they're really just an average offensive team. Um, UCF is so good on offense. They really are. They're I, fun I, to watch. If you haven't watched yeah. UCF this year, they're fun. I mean, McKenzie Milton, the quarterback. He's poor, good. Poor poor man's Baker Mayfield. I mean, he. He's good. I mean, look at his numbers. He's, his numbers are pretty similar. I mean, I would, up there with Bakers. I would call him more of a poor man's Marcus Mariota. Actually, I, I think he's okay. a he, he's he's running the same offense. That's the or, that's the Oregon Chip Kelly offense. Uh, they run the ball a lot more than than Oregon used. To, or I'm sorry, they throw the ball a lot more than Oregon used to. I like UCF, man. They're fun to watch. I'm going to take them just just because it's fun. I'll take that's UCF. your number one or that, that's your top ten team, man. They haven't, yeah, uh, they haven't lost yet. They haven't lost this year, and you know what? For a majority of the season, they've 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 just straight up been a better team than Auburn for a majority of this year. I'm going to take UCF. I think UCF's better. I think UCF's a better team. And finally, the other playoff matchup: the All-State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans on Monday night. Alabama, Clemson, the Crimson Tide favored by a field goal, even though they snuck into the playoff without playing and without playing on Championship Saturday because they have four to five weeks off. I will take Alabama, and that's just because of the long layoff. If this game was played like the past couple of years and it was a week before and Alabama didn't have as much time to prepare, I would think more I would think more like Clemson would win. But Nick Saban with tons of time to prepare in a game against a quarterback that's not an elite type quarterback, I will take the Crimson Tide, even though that's super boring and whatever. <laughs> Man, this game is going to be a freaking slugfest, man. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I think Alabama is, is 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 quite a bit better on offense than Clemson is. I think, I, I think these two defenses are arguably the two best defenses in the country. You know, I, I'll take. I'm going to take Alabama. I, I, I just, I don't think Kelly Bryant can make the throws necessary to beat Alabama, and I, I think 
it's I'll take Alabama despite Clemson's defense just doing their absolute best to keep them in this thing. But but I, I expect to see I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a twenty to ten or like a seventeen to seven type game. This this game is gonna be a, a complete brawl. Probably a pretty ugly game. All right. That is our show. Bear with us next week since the Rose Bowl is on Monday. That means we will not have a Monday show. And Grant will be traveling back from Pasadena after that. So there'll be some travel issues. So because of that, we will not have a Monday show, obviously. We'll only have one show next week. It'll be our normal Thursday show. So Grant, be prepared to record the podcast on Wednesday after a couple of days to, to um, I guess, sit back and think about the game, however it may go. Hopefully it's a positive couple of days thinking about Oklahoma's next opponent in the national championship game. And if it's not, I'm sure we'll have a lot more. Oh, either way, we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, and and what it will be is, you know, we might have to think about, you know, it, it it could be a TBD situation, Grant, with the show next week. Because let's say Oklahoma wins. That Thursday show will be a lot of talk about the Rose Bowl. And not a whole lot of talk we'll have time for, really, for a national championship preview. How about how about how about we do this? We're gonna have a we're having an on air production meeting here. How about this, Lee? If if OU wins, we will do a Wednesday and Thursday show next week. Uh, we'll we'll do a show for Wednesday, maybe Wednesday, Friday, maybe Wednesday, Friday. Good. We'll we'll do. I, I think I think in the event that OU wins, we'll we'll for sure do a Wednesday show. Um, just a instant reaction as soon as I get back from Pasadena. Um, and, and if if they lose, we'll just do our regular Thursday show. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I like that plan, Grant. Until then, enjoy the Rose Bowl. We've all been waiting for it. It's finally almost here. That's on Monday. Until then, that's our show. I, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.